it is time to tune up the band and strum your chair guitar. <laughs> Get it? Chair guitar. For it is another episode of the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. I am Sam, alongside Reardon and Dan, as we continue our journey through the wacky world of professional wrestling. Chaps, it's been it's been a busy couple of weeks for us. We had to kind of yeah. ju- we had to kind of delay this episode for a little bit. So, with all that being said, how are we? I mean, as well as being Everything busy. Everything comes at once. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's been so goddamn busy. But we're still fighting. We're just running around like headless chickens trying to cut down the weeds. <laughs> to be fair, we're, I'm, I'm running around like a headless chicken because I still continue to be bad at actually planning my time, but that's a separate thing. Me and you both? <laughs> 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 no, actually, I'd say I've been more structured this year than I ever have been my entire life. Well, that's saying something. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I forgot I um, got ambushed by stuff that I forgot I had agreed to do. So checkmate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was going to say, how was the progress, GCW? <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was very good. I, I enjoyed it quite a lot. Was it the best ever show of wrestling I've ever seen? No, <laughs> but you know, it was it was a lot of fun. It was great seeing the um, a lot of the GTW guys there that you know obviously you won't get a, much of a chance to see. Mm. Um, and they were all really fun, all really really nice, and I managed to get some really nice pictures out of it um, and some really nice chats. Um, and met Shout- some really, really nice people while I was there. Shout-outs to Effie, who now knows of our existence. Effie now knows of our existence. There is a picture of me and Effie where Effie is choking me. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. There, there you go. There we bloody go. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> but moving on very swiftly, we give you this podcast. Thanks to those people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and forever pending other platforms. You know, guys, there's a lot of things that we do here. We're very busy here at the podcast. We are tired. All three of us have some form of flu or cold or whatever. <laughs> Hence, the uh, if, if we sound a little bit throaty, that's because, you know, of that. But you know what? Despite all of it, all of it, we are still pending. And we always will be because you are always, always, always be pending. <laughs> so yeah don't adjust your audio levels all of us are yeah. operating about two decibels below what our usual register of I, voice register. Say, I, I promise it's still me <laughs> this isn't like the all-out media I haven't, scrub. Been, I haven't been stolen away although <laughs> even if i am old tired and work with work with literal children <laughs> i was gonna say it's not like the media scrub where flipping all everyone sounds like zordon from power rangers <laughs> No, we have actual mic levels. Aye, 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 aye. Um, Before we get on, and as we continue with Hispanic Heritage Month, it is time to visit Dan for this week's a little more lethargic than usual wrestling news. All right, I'm going to try this one on for size. You ready? 
right. wrestling news. Oh, hello. Not bad. Not bad. Ooh, uh, <laughs> not, not bad, considering that my that me doing the jingle actually, uh, yeah, I felt I felt the level of my throat there. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So obviously, things have been wacky in the world of wrestling quite recently i mean obviously everything has been that's we've got we're running on like what like a two-week delay at this point at this point yes um but i guess the thing i want to talk about first is bobby fish um um because i i i just have to talk i just have to talk about this because i think it's incredible that apparently bobby fish was involved in conversations with kylo riley and adam cole about returning to wwe and they both told him no you know what that reminds me of it reminds me of that uh scene in fresh prince of bel-air where uncle phil goes we <laughs> we <laughs> as bobby fish told adam no, cole like, literally i feel like that that's the most accurate way of talking yes. about it though because like, i i wonder what was going through bobby fish's head this is just regarding the fact that Bobby Fish just appeared in Impact randomly. I don't know how he's still donating money to Drake Younger, but you know, let's said about which, that which, better. Which, this, this, this is a whole, this is a whole thing in in itself. Like Bobby Fish debuting on Impact for some reason, <laughs> but just when we're when we're here, was like, was Bobby Fish like expecting like if he snitched that like Triple H would give him the a WWE title shot or something? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know what I don't know what was going on. Yeah, let's go, guys. We'll have a we'll have a flipping main roster run. And you like, know? And like there, there, there's 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 a whole thing going on right now about um um uh, allegations of contract tampering, but I don't know how that works in like U.S. employment law because Same. I'm not from the U.S. As far as I understand from the UK definition, it's like if you go to someone and you say, what are you getting paid right now by your employer, we'll offer you double mm-hmm. um, in an attempt to like steal someone away. Although I know like the US makes whole like exceptions for the sport, for, like sports industries. And because I guess wrestling still technically has to answer to athletics commissions, there's probably some BS involved there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I thought it was just goofy air. And uh, I have no idea what's going on in that man's head. To be fair, there's probably a lot in it because he's been uh, around since wrestling George Hackenschmidt. <laughs> I was um, going to say he's been around since wrestling the dinosaurs in the prehistoric age. What are you talking I about? Mean, I mean, I don't know, right? Like, what? Who, who's to say? Who's to say? <laughs> See, everybody thought Jungle Boy was fighting dinosaurs back in the day. <laughs> I, I, I heard... I heard that actually one time he was wrestling at a carnival and met a kid, and that kid turned out to be Lou Fez, but don't quote me on that. Um, but yeah, speaking of goofy uh, wrestling moments, um, can we talk about, uh, I believe it was Rampage, where we had Hook and Action Bronson versus a 2.0? Yes, Action Bronson actually holding out on his own of course you know actually like, bronson's like, not a wrestler like, obvi- but like ob- obviously right we have we have a level of expectations yes he but met them al- but also like i quite like but like was it the greatest wrestling performance ever by a celebrity no but do you know what i really liked he stayed within his lane Yes, he absolutely shoulder barges, lariats, like <laughs> massive uh, sidewalk slams. 
Um, Action Bronson fucking charging at 2.0 at one point. Like, he ran the ropes and fucking bolted at the pair of... Really, 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 really good Oklahoma Slam as yeah. well. Very good like, Oklahoma but like, Slam. But, like, literally, like, as, as absurd as it was, I was like, you know what? He knows his limits. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't try and do anything greater or lesser. He just knew exactly what he needed to do. And you know what? I like it, especially because Hook's theme song has a reference to Lawrence Taylor in it. I was going to say, yeah, Action Bronson channeling his in a Bam Bam Bigelow. I know it's like it's like a weird wrestling multiverse that's come together. <laughs> it um, was, um, it yeah, was a fun it was, one it to was watch. Not, it was not bad. It was like, honestly, honestly, not that bad. I haven't seen like everything from the most recent Rampage and Dynamite because I'm still like catching. Oh, can I? Can I? I was gonna say if we're talking about bizarro shit, can we talk about Chris Jericho being fucking Ring of Honor World Champion? Look, that is. I had a whole conversation with a friend of mine about this because he was like, he was coming from the angle of like, well, you know, Jericho is a big name; it's a big draw. But Cesaro is from a WWE superstar. (laughs) No, but like, but like, I get what he's saying in terms of like pop culture relevancy. I guess technically Chris Jericho is probably bigger than Cesaro, mm. but also like, let me just say about this: like, Chris Jericho is like the most anti ROH wrestler. <laughs> Not the most, but like, I was gonna say it's a toss up between him and Xavier <laughs> in terms like, of lineage of the Ring of Honor World Championship. <laughs> No, but like Xavier, I can get though because that was just while they were in their early days and they were still figuring stuff out. Yeah, like I'm not gonna blame them for like being like, well, you know, we've got this guy; he's got a good look, and he's, people seem to like him, so we'll, we'll do it. <sighs> Meanwhile, we're here and we've gone from having Cesaro, who you know had competed in original RH and would be a really good base to build the RH brand off of, to then Chris Jericho. When Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson is literally stood right there, yeah. And look, I I know, I know, it's contrived. Mm-hmm. I know it's the easy way out. Mm-hmm. Yep. But of all the people on your roster, this man is literally ROH. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Am I saying it's a good thing to immediately default back to a wrestler who is much older? No, because we should be focusing on pushing stuff forward, right? Yep. Yeah. But like, it's that thing of I always say, like when you're gonna reset, if you're gonna rebuild, you want a solid base. Mm-hmm. So go to someone who has a foundation in the very thing that you're doing, and then go from there. You don't need Chris Jericho. True. Very true. I mean, at least at the, the very next match that we had, we had probably one of the best moments I think Dynamite has had in a very, very, very long time. The acclaimed won the tag team titles, and we saw nearly 20-odd thousand people scissoring one another. I mean, what else, <laughs> well, can, what else can I say other than seeing a, a tag team with an openly gay member get the phrase, scissor me, daddy ass as like a whole stadium chant yep it's it's uh, it's amazing it to see it was a great match actually as well a bloody fine tag match actually looks like ah oh. but then we had we had pack and orange cassidy in another great match if you ask me it's crazy how I, I well love, those two work together 
I love how Pack at this point just has like a default body stance for I've got to deal with this guy's shit again. Yeah. <laughs> we had the we had the four way match for the interim women's championship. Tony Storm regaining yep. that, but that wasn't the biggest surprise. The biggest surprise, of course, was Soraya debuting. Yeah. Um. As I have, as I as I have had said with many people that we work with and that I talk to on a regular basis, uh, I'm going to refrain from talking about a certain section and a certain person because it won't do me any benefits. But, All I'm going to uh, say is, I figure it's enough. It's great to know. see music fans and wrestling fans all unite under one banner to say fuck that guy. <laughs> I never thought I'd see the day that wrestling fans and former scene kids unite, but here we are. <laughs> here, here we are. I mean, it's it's very rare that you see like two intersections of groups happen that you both recognise exist within yourself. Yeah, it's always funny when that happens, isn't it? I'm just here, and I'm just like, oh wait, people people didn't know about this. Oh, okay, I guess I never listened to his music. Meanwhile, there's just me, and I still, I actually still have my CD of that guy's album Ooh. from a certain uh, band that begins with a letter F. <laughs> I'm fairly sure I still have it. If I don't, then good, but... <laughs> Strange. Know, it's not... It's... Enough, enough said. Enough said. Do you... Right, now here's the thing that everyone's been talking about since Soraya... Uh, was uh, was seen in an AEW uh, environment. Is she going to wrestle? My heart and my head are going, please don't wrestle Soraya. <laughs> Only if you are cleared by at least five to seven doctors to do so, please. You 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 got yeah, you you I don't mean... ha- you don't have to step in a ring again. Like literally you do not have to step in a ring again. I mean, like, yeah, that, that's basically the position I take with it. I'm like, you don't really need to. So, like, what what's the point if you don't have to? I mean, like I said, I just want someone, you know, there are people in that division that could use a mouthpiece, so just do it. And granted, if you've got one of the most popular names uh, in all of women, in the history of women's wrestling, my advice to you, Tony, is now with that stack to roster, including the biggest, one of the biggest names ever, use your women's division. Yes. Yeah, just be um, there and just be like, me no figure out how to book. See, uh, I, have heard, I know quite a few people who are very excited for Soraya to wrestle. I am... Um, Sweats, smiles, and sweats nervously. Yes, it's my have, reaction. Have you have you considered the following? No. <laughs> I I'm just like, please, please be okay. Please be okay. Yeah. Don't don't get. It's hurt. literally like just. How about just no? <laughs> All right. Again, going back to goofy R wrestling stuff. Um. What the hell is the great Muta doing in AEW? <laughs> when I saw this, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. But at the same time, I was like, you know what? If he's going on a retirement tour across the world and just be like, no, I want I, to visit everyone and everywhere. I, I literally feel like my guy is convinced that he can wrestle at every... He's going to try and end his career with the record for most wrestling companies wrestled for. Isn't Basically, it? he's looking at Antonio Inoki's 10-year retirement and going, screw that, I could do that in one year. Literally. 
<laughs> thing is, right, I think it's just been formally announced. Sting is going to be in the Great Muta's, Keiji Muto's final match. See, but this is but this is the thing, right? Because apparently it's being done in association with Noah. <laughs> so I have no idea what the hell this match is going to look like. I don't know if it's going to be some curse like six man match at this rate. Oh, oh, it's either that or it's, or it's going, going to be, be like some, that like, curse multi man tag match. Either it's going to be that or it's going to be that weird match in two thousand and three where Hulk Hogan faced Masahiro Chono in two thousand and three. Basically, Great Muta is going to basically just do pull out all the greatest hits, including the long entrance ramp clothesline. Basically, what's gonna what's gonna happen is um, the Great Muta is gonna wrestle his final match, and then he's gonna announce that he's reforming Hustle, and then <laughs> um, it's all gonna get weird from there. <laughs> oh no! He's bringing back Goldberg to Japan. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna reemerge from an egg and then like talk, like do a promo about how he runs like an international crime syndicate or something. You know what? Like for those you know- of you who have, for those who have never seen Hustle, you're probably hearing me like being so confused right now, and I completely understand. If no one's played Yakuza Kiwami, then you, de- then they definitely don't. <laughs> Yeah, but it does, Yakuza Kiwami doesn't help you anyway because they never address the fact that it's fucking Keiji Muto. He's okay. All right, but I can talk about this because I played Yakuza. Re- we're, we're we're so diverged off the news. I don't care. Well, at this so point, so in, in Yakuza Kiwami, in Yakuza Kiwami two, there's a thing. There's a thing called Majima Construction. It's like a mini game, right? Yeah. Now there are there are bosses that own real estate companies, and they're all Japanese professional wrestlers. <laughs> they're all played by them, at least. And I shit you not, I was playing through it, and I just see the fucking open oh, the character introduction screen the Yakuza does, and it says Keiji Muto, owner CEO of Muto Realty. <laughs> they never address that fact. They never address who it is. You get Masahiro Chono, Tatsumi Fujinami. Um, they're all property developers, didn't you know? And that? I think it's, I, I, um, I think Tenryu's in there as well. And and do you want the even better thing is right, right? You you get your group of um, characters to fight against them, mm-hmm. right? You know, you get through random characters, you get from sub-stories. You also get Tetsuya fucking Naito. <laughs> because, of course. Of course. Why would I expect anything different? And then you go and play, I think it's Yakuza 6. And it's just basically everyone and in then, New Japan. And it's exactly the same. And then you just fight Kazuchika Okada in the street as Kiryu. Because yep. Yakuza. Oh, and if he and grabs you, he now, does the Rainmaker. If, if Okada... Now, and now they've announced for Yakuza 8 that Kenny Omega's in the game. Because, of course. I hope Kota so Ibushi's next, in Yakuza 8 so as well. thing I know, I'm going to be playing Yakuza. I'm going to get into like a side sub-story mini-game, and I'm going to face Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi, probably El Desperado. Um, who else is popular in New Japan right now? Um... I don't know. Oh no, Will Ospreay. Oh no. No, 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 not him. Not him. <laughs> no. Um, and you know, and then and then I'll pro- I'll probably come up against someone like 
I don't know. Just for this, just for the, just for the sake of it, I'll just say, could you? I, I'm just come up against. I don't know. Sugar Hero Irie, owner of Irie, um Waste <laughs> Disposal or something. And they'll never address that fact. <laughs> ah, but because it's Yakuza, man. Come on. It's just the way that it's just the way they do stuff. Anyway, goofy uh, hour moment. The great Muta is in AEW for some reason. Julia Hart eat a absolute hell off a table. From what I've heard, she is fine. She was able to walk out on her own, but my good goodness, she took one heck of um... I never knew she was the rebirth of Masato Tanaka. <laughs> She took one like a bum. I'm not even joking. That is literally the same. Yeah. Like, looks like the same the, bum that Tanaka is... took off. Yeah. Like, awesome, except just in a slightly different way. Yeah. Um, I haven't really been keeping up with WWE much, but I have been made aware of all this White Rabbit stuff, which I assume is all promotion for someone returning. Probably, I, I was going to say Carrion Cross, but I get the feeling. I feel WWE it. wouldn't be that on the or like on like the nose when it comes to such well, a super subtle reference to someone especially cross because right like i'm hoping this is the start of wrestling adopting expanded law <laughs> in which case it's got it's got to be fucking bray right cuz i'm going to i mean a lot of people are going to be back. a lot of people are going to be pissed if it's joe gacy i'm just saying that well, yeah, there's also that, but like, also, why would they put all that money and investment into Joe Gacy? I know, right? Okay, I liked him in CZW, kind of, right? But like, <laughs> with what he's done in NXT, it's like, I don't think anyone's feeling the same kind of way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's interesting. That's to say, I mean. Hey, I mean, fair yeah, play I, for them I, I, using I like "White it. Rabbit" like by method. Jefferson Airplane as well. I, mean. I like them. I like the method of playing a song during um, the breaks in stadiums when they go for the ad breaks. Saves them from licensing it, <laughs> and like all the stuff about like doing social media advertising because it's what WWE should have been doing for years. <laughs> but hey, I, I I can't be mad at it. Hopefully, maybe it's the start of more licensed music in WWE. Maybe, maybe. Maybe, uh, maybe some, maybe good. We'll no? see. We'll see what happens we'll at do. the end of this. I mean, if it is Bray, yeah. then yeah, it's good, good to see him back. Honestly, I think I know some of the contingent, especially Mister John Blude, will be bloody ecstatic to see Bray back. I mean, we look. We all like it good. We like all like it. Look, good. we had an old episode about him. We love spooky bollocks, silly bollocks in wrestling. So I think we'll all be happy to see Bray back. Yeah, exactly. Ah yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, before we actually do move on, one thing about Grand Slam. Do you think for the main events of the AEW World Championship, do you think they made the right decision with who they won, with who won that? Um, I mean, it kind of comes under two camps. Which is, well, actually, no, three camps. There's, there's the I don't like John Moxley camp, which, you know, you're entitled to that opinion, even if I don't necessarily agree. Agreed. Um, there's the John Moxley is the best person to lead AEW through this period of uncertainty, mm-hmm. which, yeah, I kind of agree with. But also there's my thing of let the man go on vacation. Yeah, especially after... This is like the third time it's been interrupted by, like the company like destroying itself yeah john moxley deserves a like, break. just let the man get his holiday wherever he wants to go 
The man deserves his holiday for crying out loud, Tony. I mean, if this means this is going to be purely transitional, I, eh. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not mad at that. Just like, put, just like, get it onto someone like MJF. And if that means that they're gonna hold off for Brian to to win it, then I I guess I could see where they're going with that. But I don't know. We'll see. As gonna as I said, I hope this works out the way he's envisioning it. I guess I hope this works out because at the moment I'm a bit I'm a bit confuzzled. But yeah, we'll see. Also, by the way, Ricky Starks winning the main event of Rampage in a really good lights out match. Yes, yeah. yes, please. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> hey, you want to transition that belt to uh, the good old Ricky Starks? <clears throat> yes, please. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but yeah, apart from that, that's all that's kind of really been going on in the world of wrestling. That's of, all the big wrestling. stuff. Um, I, used to think so anyway. <laughs> I mean, let's let's be honest. It was going always going to be for us. It was always going to be great mooter <laughs> filled with nothing but great mooter. Um, it's literally visiting man refuses to die. <laughs> like he just can't be stopped. It's it's absolute insanity, honestly. <laughs> oh man. But I think with that, with that though, we are done with the news. Fantastic. Reardon. Let us visit recommendation corner. Do you have anything for us this week? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Guys, how how do you feel about about a play that is that is very meta and LGBT about Shakespeare, and is and was created by someone we simp. <laughs> frankly, quite frankly, I mean, sign me up, Scotty. Well, you're in luck. As uh, as as a shout out to uh, one of Dan's friends who gave me the chance to go and see the print. <laughs> Who's the the new play by Abigail Fawn of Philosophy Tube? It was great. Yeah, yeah. I'm, oh, I'm so glad because I have now, been very umming and ahhing about going to see it. I I got lucky. I got lucky. Someone someone gave me the ticket, so I got to see it. Hell yeah! Now, um, this is very specific specifically for our UK London based uh, people. Word of warning: you've got till at the time of this recording the 8th of october to go see it that's like two weeks yes yeah yes so if you want to see it see it now but it gets a hearty recommendation it's very funny very well made and a lot of heart a lot of feeling i really enjoyed it nice nice would you be to be so inclined if i could make a recommendation this week as well go on absolutely guys what do you think about First-person shooters mixed with a rhythm game with oodles and oodles of Doom. I mean, okay. it's Doom adjacent, so you've already basically won me over, <laughs> even if I'm also playing Doom. <laughs> well, Metal Hellsinger recently came out, and I absolutely freaking love it. <laughs> Hell yeah. It is one hell of a fun little game, and as a massive fan of Doom and everything of the Doom series, I could not recommend this one enough, and especially for the amazing soundtrack they've um, uh, curated All I know as about well. that soundtrack is it's got Surge Tankian on it. And that's it's got Surge Tankian, really Matt Heafy, 
as well. He actually has a really bloody good song Matt Heafy does in that soundtrack. Um, a bit of side recommendation. Uh, Lon Matt Heafy's um, in, uh, individual stuff. I believe it's Ibaraki mm-hmm. um, that he's producing it under. Um, he released his first solo album, Rashomon, um, fairly recently. I'm not too hot on like Trivium's new stuff, but I quite like this um, solo project. So if you're interested, check it out. Also, Dennis from Refused actually contributed oh. as well. And I'm a massive fan of Refused. So when I heard that he was going to be on the soundtrack, I was like, um, yes, please. <laughs> new Noise is still a bloody good song, even to this day, if you ask me. <laughs> but maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just me. Anyway, with all that being said and done, let us move on to our main portion of this episode. Our main man, one of our favorite luchadors, La Parker. Ah. Oh. Guys, I have been looking forward to this one since we fought out and, and planned out what we were doing for Hispanic Heritage Month. Fellas, first thoughts on La Parker. Alright, Reardon, you want me on this or do you want to go? <laughs> you go, you go, you go. Alright, let me tell you this. My first exposure to La Parker, and I, I actually shit you not, was me being a child and being given my brother's wrestling figures. <laughs> <laughs> And my brothers, being big WCW fans, obviously had a bunch of WCW figures. Uh, and I saw this man who had a skull mask on and was like, well, clearly he has to be the coolest person ever. It, it really is that simple, isn't it? <laughs> like, I'd like I, people talk about, like, oh, it's all about the look in wrestling. Oh, my guy, it's pretty simple. <laughs> I'm 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 a small kid by this point and I see this man that's dressed in all black and has got a skull mask on. Um of course he's gotta be like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and then obviously through that I found out who he was and found out that he had a very rich career in wrestling that wasn't just defined by his period of time in WCW, which was uh, goofy to say the least. Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> um so, yeah, it's kind of simple as that, honestly. <laughs> Reardon. Goals are cool, innit? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> he's not wrong. Like, like, I, like I don't even know what to tell you here. Just, I saw him and I was like, ah, he's the coolest, he's the coolest fucking guy. Neat. And that was it. That was the, the be all and end all of my thoughts on La Parker. It, it, it's, it's like I said to you guys when we did the Canyon episode, or maybe I mentioned it, I don't know. It, it, in reference to that, I'm sure if I was a kid at the time that Mortis came around, I would have been the biggest Mortis stan. Yes. Yeah. I couldn't give a crap about the wrestling. I was like, this dude looks cool. That's as simple. That's simple as that. Honestly. See, the thing is, I would have been a massive fan of Glacier and Mortis if I'd watched it at the time. <laughs> I was a Mortal Kombat fan back in the day. What can I say? Yeah. I know, like, right? It, it, again, it is literally as simple as that. <laughs> All righty then, fellas. Show as we always love to do with these retrospectives. I will give you, and we will start at the very, very beginning. Oh, don't. <clears throat> Sorry. Ah, no, no. Uh, well, no. Full start. Let me have a drink okay, of water real worry. quick. Let's get pushback. Let's get pushback. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're good. You're good. <laughs> Born in 
born Aldolfo Margarito Tapea in November 1965 in Santiago del Quiretaro. Not much is known about La Parca's childhood, but he quickly adopted wrestling into his life and made his debut in 1982 at the age of just 16 under his real name, Aldolfo Tapea. But from his debut to the turn of the decade, he would wrestle under many different monikers and masks. First, he would wrestle as El Gringo in Coahuila and El Minero in Mexico City at the same time. But he would lose the El Minero mask into Climax 2 in an Apuesta match. Then he would become El Asinio del Tepito in a very blink and you'll miss it run in 1988, losing his mask again in an apuesta against Astro de Oro. Basically, what you, you learn from La Parker you learn from La Parker is had many gimmicks and he lost so much. <laughs> it's so many apuestas he lost. I just love the idea of someone wrestling as two separate wrestlers. <laughs> You know, make double the money. That's what most That's people it. did, especially in America. If you have a mask gimmick, oh, you get double booking. Like, God. Do, you, do you reckon there was ever a situation uh, in Mexico or otherwise where there was a guy who was working as a wrestler and also as a mask wrestler and then incidentally got, ended up getting booked against himself? I would love That's very... We're thinking a classic two dates to the prom situation. Almost, I think. I I hope so. I hope so. If not, if, if whoever's listening to this that also happens to be like have connections with a TV studio or a film studio, I think you've got. I think you've got something on your hands here. Santos films come back and Santo like, like and the two prom rest, dates. <laughs> like rest, wrestler works under mask and then gets booked in a match against his himself. Working, working not with the mask, so they have to find some like way to make it work. Is this the is is this Darren Aronofsky's pitch for the wrestler two? <laughs> no, this is this 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 is less metaphorical. This is very literal. I was going to say starring Jennifer Lawrence as Randy the Ram Robinson. <laughs> because because know, Darren Aronofsky would have the narrative be the wrestler versus himself, but it's like the person versus like their brain. <laughs> no, I'm talking about I'm talking about a literal situation of a of a guy working as a luchador that gets booked against his unmasked self because he's taking double the bookings. It just remind, it's gonna just remind me then. Basically, the match will end up being the Joey Janela versus Invisible Man kind of match. It's just himself in the ring, and he's constantly putting the mask on and taking it off. That would be funny as hell. <laughs> Oh, man. So this brings us to the turn of the decade into the 1990s, 1992 to be specific. Antonio Pena found a new wrestling promotion known as Tripla A and signed Tapea to a contract very early into its inception. In fact, it was Pena that came up with the idea to repackage Aldofo as La Parca. Now, La Parca was an alternate spelling of La Parca. Well, the La Parca with a C. Spanish basically meaning the Reaper. And basically, Peña's uh, pitch to Tapea uh, was, right, I'm going to wear a full bodysuit with a mask that resembles a skeleton, like basically how they would do the Day of the Dead, basically kind of skeleton. Yeah. And 
from the inception to pay, I was like, yeah, go on, another mask, why the heck not? But instant success for the guy as he got over immediately with the fans. How are you not going to get over when you pull up in a full, like, skeleton suit, though? Exactly. Combining with Tapea's charisma and flamboyant actions in the ring just made him a massive crowd favourite, despite the fact that Tapea and Pena went in with him being a Rudo character. Yeah, but, like, again, though, it's well known across media that Cornus transcends good or evil <laughs> true very true uh, we we all like we all know that i mean to be fair it's a thing that's happened since the 90s but um like if a character is cool it doesn't matter what people feel about it because they'll just find a way to justify it especially in the in the early to mid 90s because i'm just thinking about i'm just thinking about stuff like um um, what is it? Um, Alan Rickman's character in this is just an example, even though I think it's outside that time bound. Alan Rickman's character in um, Die Hard. Ah, Hans Gruber. Where people are just like, yeah, but like he's just kind of cool though, so I don't care. <laughs> and we have count, we have countless examples of this in wrestling. Yep. True. For for example, like Chris Jericho's light up jacket, whether or not you want to decide if that's cool and whether or not. Chris, you liked Chris Jericho at that point. It's a separate thing. But, <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> so to go over some of Leparka's feuds at his time, one of his initial storyline feuds was with Lismark, with that feud culminating and resulting, and resulting in a match for the Mexican National Light Heavyweight Championship at AAA's inaugural Triple I, I Mania. Love, I love Mexican title names. <laughs> I same, same. And there are so there are so many silly ones in Triple A and CMLL. But as I said, the more we talk about it, the more I'll, I'll go over some of them. So this I took know. place at the inaugural Triple Mania, in which Liz Mark successfully defended the title. But in August 1993, La Parker would win his first championship when he finally defeated Liz Mark for the WWA Light Heavyweight Championship on a joint co-promoted show between WWA and AAA. That reign would last until October 93 when Lismark would win it back. The feud between the two would see LaParka defeat Lismark for the WWA title a second time in June of 1994. <clears throat> now, LaParka was one of the wrestlers that worked in the When Worlds Collide show, which was a joint AAA WCW pay-per-view where he teamed with Jerry Estrada and Blue Panther in a losing effort to the team of Two Cold Scorpio, Tito Santana, and the Pegasus Kid. Now, very rare that you can find the World's When Worlds Collide show, but it's a very interesting time capsule in the relationship, or in the mid-90s, in the relationship between Triple A and WCW. But it's like one of those shows like Collision and Korea that never kind of got archived by the WWE. Yeah. But if you dive deep enough, you can fi- still find it. <clears throat> Maybe we'll do that one day. What? What, Collision in Korea or When, when Worlds Collide? Oh, no, when, when Worlds Collide, not Collision in Korea. <laughs> Please, I don't, I, don't have, I don't have enough stuff to chew me out to even make me possibly want to watch <laughs> Collision in Korea. <laughs> no, we, you definitely don't want to watch that. I've, I've watched it. It's, it's, it's a pay-per-view, that's for damn sure. Um, 
especially when you watch the crowd and they're kind of being they're confused at what they're watching <laughs> but they're still being forced to clap and and, and you know go along with the events because if they're not well they're taken they're taken somewhere and never seen again just ask scott norton he was taken somewhere almost never got seen again <laughs> anyhow <laughs> where was i oh yeah um oh, i was with la parker in september of yes. 1994 la parker would win the mexican national light heavyweight championship that he had been chasing for over a year when he defeated Liz Mark for the title, finishing off the storyline between the two. Now, I've lightly brushed over it, but it can't go unstated that the Parker and Liz Mark feud was one of the big banner feuds that AAA had early in its inception. The Parker would go on, though, to hold that title for 200 days, eventually losing it to Jerry Estrada. La Parker would wear the Mexican National Light Heavyweight Championship at two further times whilst working in AAA, and in 1995 and 1996, until he would lose the belt to Pimpinella Escalata on May the 13th, 1996. But this isn't all that La Parker was doing during this time. As a matter of fact, he would end up making a small, tiny appearance for a little-known promotion in the United States called Extreme Championship Wrestling. Teaming with Psychosis, losing in a tag effort between Conan and Rey Mysterio Jr. This brings us to the next and probably most famous chapter for the Parker's career. World Championship Wrestling. I just love how there's just this entire thing which is just like the the ECW to WCW pipeline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, ECW was just the route for so many random wrestlers to just enter mainstream American consciousness, and they go to a bigger company and then just, like, never be seen again. God, that is the, that is very much the case with a lot of wrestlers. Like, it, it, it's, ju it's, ju it's just strange how consistent a thing it is. <laughs> It's true, it's true. So in 1996, AAA and WCW came to a formal agreement to be able to exchange talent to and from each company. This saw an influx of AAA wrestlers uh, bolstering their WCW cruiserweight division in mid to late 1996. This would see La Parker gain worldwide exposure by appearing on WCW's weekly television shows and pay-per-views, Nitro, Saturday Night, and the occasional pay-per-view here and there. He would often be paired with other luchadors in AAA, such as Super Carlo or Juventud Guerrera, and would often team with Psychosis at this time. Now, due to La Parker's more flamboyant, charismatic style, he stood out from the rest of the pack that came with him uh, in the AAA um, WCW talent exchange, who were generally considered high flyers. La Parker was more of a, well, let's just say, sillier wrestler. I'm going to be goofy and be the crap out of you. Yes. Nicknamed, funnily enough, by Tony Schiavone and Bobby Heenan as the chairman of WCW, <laughs> due to the fact that he would often carry a chair during his entrances, play air guitar in it, and would begin matches still clutching the chair, hoping to hit his opponent over the head with it. 
eat that whatever your name is now in AEW. <laughs> oh, Sean Spears. That's it, Sean Spears. <laughs> the original chairman is here. <laughs> playing air guitar i i I, i'll say this when it comes to wcw games i loved picking la parker i always just did because of just the the fact that you would actually start matches as well they programmed la parker to start with a chair during a match see but that's again that's the attention to detail i enjoy (laughs) so at one point during uh during la parker's career he would team he would team up with psychosis and begin having a a tag team uh alongside being managed by sunny ono of all people no look right this is this is this is peak wcw moment okay just every masked wrestler every masked wrestler and foreign wrestler being managed by Sonny Ono. <laughs> they just, they just <laughs> did. They look right. They were just doing whatever. <laughs> they did not care. Would you come as a surprise that uh, during this time that La Parker and Psychosis never managed to gain much traction with Sonny Ono as their oh, manager? Oh, I wonder why. <laughs> this could would it be- have something to do that they were randomly being stuck on um, Saturday WCW night and pro wrestling Saturday yeah. night? Yeah, yeah, okay. pretty much. Pretty much. This, though, would begin a feud. Uh, uh, La Parker would begin feuds with Psychosis and Disco Inferno. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, yes. we now get oh, to yeah. talk about quite possibly Disco Inferno slash Glenn Gilberti's greatest contribution to the world of professional wrestling. Him getting twatted on the back of the head with a chair by La Parker. All right, let's be here and say it. That That's a generational gif. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't care, right? It doesn't matter. There's basically nothing that Glenn Gilberti can do anymore because people have the power of that gif over him and he'll never recover from that fact. (laughs) It's still to me one of the... I'm sorry, but it's just so good. It's still one of the best moments I think I've ever watched in a WCW show. It's brilliant because of the combination of A, La Parker... Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Being who he is and seeing this man in this skeleton outfit just appear. B, the way he carries the chair and C, the way he hits him with it. <laughs> <laughs> to then the way that uh, Glenn, because I just like calling him Glenn, <laughs> um, sells it. <laughs> yes. You've seen this moment, haven't you, Reardon? <laughs> Oh, we've definitely shown that. Oh, it's incredible. Just... There we go. I just looked up La Parker? Just... <laughs> oh, my God. There we go. See, see <laughs> the great thing about that is that it needs no context. Exactly. It, is, it is art in and of itself. Now, here is when... In, like... into, enters... Hits dancing man with chair, refuses to elaborate further, leaves. <laughs> also just makes me laugh that out of the two, La Parker was the better dancer. I mean, <laughs> when you... La Parker, La Parker was the better on basically every metric. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. The man... The man dresses like... The who's John Erswile. Like... Is it, did I say that right? It's fucking Erswile. It's a yeah, Entwile, Entwile, Entwistle, Entwistle. I can't. I apologise to who I should know that. I should know that. 
Sorry, you got we got there eventually. We got there yeah. eventually. Yeah. <laughs> right, they're, they're, they're by like... the ox. He dresses up like the ox. Like he was always going to be able to dance well. Yeah. Like, just you just see this this man appear, hit this man with a chair, and it's just it's ju- it's just incredible. Yeah, like I said, like La Parker is better on basically any metric. Anyway, do you reckon Glenn once ever said to La Parker, "Have you ever worked?" <laughs> I don't care. I gotta get that. I gotta get that one bit in there. I have to get that one bit in there. Oh, all I'm saying is, you know, being IQ wrestlers Padawan does have its benefits. One of them oh, being just, that I, we get I, to I was, absolutely. I was just, I was just about to do the bit, which was, "Hi, IQ, how you doing?" <laughs> one of the being to absolutely dunk on Glenn Gilbert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyhow. With all this being said, uh, La Parker's pay-per-view kind of appearances were very few and far between. Angela... That's because WCW didn't understand what sells. <laughs> True. He would appear on Bash at the Beach on the undercard in a tag team with Psychosis. Um, he would end up wrestling at Super Bowl, though, in a losing effort to Disco, of course. <laughs> But again, WCW not understanding what's good. <laughs> exactly. But as I said, very few and far between. And the part would the Parker ever appear on a pay per view? Isn't it funny though that we talk about this? But one of La Parker's biggest moments never even involved La Parker. <laughs> yeah, but that sounds appropriate for WCW. So if we remember, go back uh, in a match against Randy Savage, La Parker would end up suddenly executing the Diamond Cutter and actually gain a pinfall win over Savage. Though it was revealed straight after that La Parker wasn't in fact La Parker, but it was DDP. <laughs> That's so WCW, I can't express. <laughs> like, I just I just don't know how else you could make that more WCW. True, true. <laughs> Although it was a pretty damn good moment, I'm not going to lie. It's a, great, it's a great moment, but then I'm also there and I'm just like, hmm, American company. I feel like it's kind of disrespecting Lucha tradition, but I'm not a Lucha so I'm not really going to say otherwise. It's not as... I will admit, though, it's not as good as the moment where Dean Malenko was dressed as Cyclope when he returned and absolutely whooped Chris Jericho's ass that one time. Yeah, but that's just based. <laughs> also because of Tony Schiavone's reaction as well. That's <laughs> Right, like shout, like offshoot as well. Tony Schiavone, peak WCW, had some of the best reactions for a commentator. Oh, he did. Tony Schiavone's not... brilliant at the. I'm just going to scream something loudly. Do you Because <laughs> right, aside from Schiavone, there's only two that have done it better. Um, number number two uh, is the the pair of Mike Tanay and Don West. Yes. Because they were just brilliant at just coming up with just anything. Yeah. Half the time it was never relevant. Although for me, for me personally, the goat of just saying stuff and shouting it as loud as possible is Mauro Ranallo. Yes. Yeah. Mauro Ranallo would come out with whole like random references to random media just the entire time. I don't care what anybody says, and I know a lot of wrestling purists didn't like him. I I thoroughly enjoyed I... Mauro Ranallo as a commentator. Bro, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. The the pairing like, of him he, and uh... 
you him... just come up with the most <laughs> random shit. Yes. Just like, like you just be, and just like the way he would, the way he would announce stuff was just like so cursed. <laughs> but it worked, especially with the pairing of him, Percy Watson, and Nigel McGuinness. I don't think there has been a better commentary team before or since that kind of really hit the mark quite like those three. Anyway, I am getting way off topic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah talk... I wasn't stopping you. <laughs> Fellas, let us talk about the Latino world order. Ah... Uh... One of the many uh, NWO offshoots. <laughs> In 1998, October to be specific, La Parker would become part of Eddie Guerrero's LWO faction. That also included Psychosis, Juventud Guerrera, Villano 4 and Villano 5, <laughs> Bret Hart's oh, favourite wrestler, five. El Dandy, <laughs> Silver King, Hector Garza, and Damien666, eventually to be joined by a reluctant Rey Mysterio Jr. Damien basically, six, six, six. basically grab everyone that they had <clears throat> that wrestled in Triple A. I'm going to say, get everyone that you in your entire company that you have and that you know has an agreement also with triple a and then just stick them in a group called the latino world order this group would eventually end up mostly feuding with conan and perry saturn (laughs) but eventually the the lwo group was disbanded after a i wonder why (laughs) after guerrero was actually um i think uh guerrero had to take some time off due to that car accident he was involved in back in uh, back in 99 um if anyone's not read uh, like known about that go back i think i actually briefly mentioned it as well in the guerrero episode as well but it's pretty damn horrific that one so that's how it was uh eventually kind of fizzled out into uh, into nothingness and of course this brings us to late 1990 do you reckon at any point anyone in wcw thought maybe this is a bad idea no. It gets worse. Next question. Thank you. Thank it, you. Trust I, I want to make sure we were all on the same wavelength. I, I, I do not think they even considered it a bad idea. <laughs> all I say is it gets worse for the for, for the poor for the poor oh, guy here. Does. So late 1999. WCW hires Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara in the creative to here be part of creative. And the here duo and the duo thought it would be a terrific idea for most of their Spanish of the Spanish talent, but La Parker especially, to be dubbed over whilst he was doing interviews in Spanish. This often ended with Gene Oakland looking very confused, exclaiming, "What in the hell was that?" Of course, this is an idea that, of course, that Vince and Ed would do so many times, especially as. Especially when it came to Kai and Tyre when they were working in WWF. Okay, but okay, here's the here's the problem I have with this though, right? Because yes, this is an awful idea and concept because it can never end well. Because mm. you know, if people are speaking the language that is their home language, please be respectful to that. Yes. <sighs> but from from the perspective of a sensationalist '90s media executive. Mm-hmm. And writer like Vince Russo, right? Despite the fact that Japanese people are by no means a, a confusing concept to Americans and are very much well known to them. Yep. Um, 
I'm not. I don't want to say there's rationale for it because there isn't. Basically, the way I but, see but, it is that but, these... but like, but like, but like his thing of like, oh, okay, well, we'll we'll dub it over and pretend about what they're saying. To 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 a consumer of the time, might not necessarily be as confusing a concept because you know how would people necessarily be to know? I'm not just. I don't want to sound like I'm justifying this. Mm. So, but but let me just say this though, right? Uh-oh. How the fuck are you gonna do that with Spanish? Yeah, <laughs> this the second most spoken language in the U.S. You know what makes me laugh is that in their infinite wisdom, Ed Ferrara thought it was funny during the voiceovers to exclaim that the Parker was a fan of Skeletor and Masters of the Universe because that would get a laugh. There it is. Come on, yeah, come but, on. But isn't that? But isn't that just like? I think any person could make that as a meaningful observation. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's just why would you go to the effort of making a joke out of incorrectly dubbing spanish oh it wasn't it wasn't just la parker that they did it with because they made him team with kaz hayashi um who uh, um who at the time was i think just coming into the young dragons or at least had a brief period out of the young dragons but they did it to kaz hayashi as well but sam this is fucking spanish (laughs) yes Yes, Spanish is the second most spoken language (laughs) in your country. (laughs) It makes you just wonder what the hell that Vince and Ed were on. Oh, let's not forget that Ed Ferrara at this time was also also portraying a character known as Oklahoma, taking the piss out of Jim Ross's Bell's palsy. It had to be crack, right? It had to be crack. (laughs) Yeah. Look, I, I don't even want to give them the dignity of cocaine. Exactly, exactly. Look, we did an episode of Vince, but we said, you know what? Vince had some good ideas. Vince had had most had yeah, some really bad him. ideas as well. We've yeah. justified trying to defend sort of Vince Russo. I can't defend Ed Ferrara. I'm sorry, not especially because of the whole Oklahoma thing. In what fucking universe can I defend him? <laughs> ain't, ain't, ain't no way. So I think... Le Park had the like had the foresight and the wherewithal to see that the writing was on the wall because he would eventually leave WCW right in the doldrums of the year two thousand. So you know what? Good for Le Parker to be able to do that. <laughs> this brings us to another interesting chapter in Le Parker's career. A second Le Parker. Next. Whilst the original La Parker was busy working for WCW for a number of years, um, Pena, Antonio Pena, the owner of AAA, had given the La Parker outfit and character to another wrestler under under a AAA contract and had him working as La Parker Jr. Cashing in, of course, on La Parker's popularity in the States. Now, oh, initially, a moment. Now, initially Pena and La Parker, they didn't clash over the use of the name since, you know, Tapeo worked in various promotions in the US and the smaller promotions in Mexico. But eventually, when Tapeo signed a contract with CMLL, AAA's main rival, Pena took legal action against Tapeo. Based. <laughs> He what, would... I love is, what I love is his entire premise of this because this is almost the, like the most lucha moment ever, which is when you can't copy someone else, copy yourself. Yes, in spite, he renamed La Parker Jr. to La Parker. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and Tapeo was like, fuck you, I'm going to court. I'm the Parker. Of course, this would end up the legal battle between Tapeo and AAA would force Tapeo to change his name eventually to L.A. Park. Short I for, authentic, or for Lefe- no, sorry, La Authentica Park. The K being pronounced as car. Basically, I am the authentic Parker. I I I wish that like <laughs> as as goofy as this is, I wish more companies did their business like Lucha Company. <laughs> it would be what a world we'd live in could if you, that were the case. You, could you imagine just like AEW just pulling up with a guy that's just called the Under Space Taker? <laughs> <laughs> And then just them being like, hey, The Undertaker doesn't work for you anymore, so we're not infringing any copyright. <laughs> fake Diesel and like, fake Razor Ramon. And then, like, just, like, the whole thing of, like, them having Rey Mysterio, and then Dom becomes Rey Mysterio Jr., so then, like, someone, like, Triple A just create, like, Rey Mysterio 2. <laughs> Something nuts like El that. He, El Hijo del Rey Mysterio. Yeah, it like would be something. Just like make it as goofy as. <laughs> it would be something, that's for sure. Oh uh, yeah, this is this is the brand new character, Bulk Brogan. But like no, but like like, could you imagine that in other worlds where just like instead of being Pepsi, they were just called like Authentica Cola? <laughs> you know what? I mean, the, you know what? In the height of the in the height of the cola wars, yes, actually, it wouldn't be. I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, in subsequent years, though, after La Parker would change his name to L.A. Park, uh, both parties would end up just throwing legal petitions to state their claim against the copyright from years to years. It basically turned into a game of legal tennis, and for a period of time. A Tapeo was barred from actually appearing on television wearing the original black and white outfit. This would lead to LA Park wearing modified versions of the outfit in different colour combinations such as red, yellow, blue, silver. This would also see LA Park adopt a brand new design of his mask to model, funny enough, Darth Maul from The Phantom Menace. I kind of like that though. I feel like that's at least a little bit inventive. <laughs> and but, also, like, let I, I uh, again, we're going on like the maddest side note here, but I'm a Star Wars fan, so I'm gonna do it. Like, the the Darth Maul look goes hard as hell. It does, if you ask me. I mean, there's a reason why Finn Balor did it when he was in yeah. like a New Japan. It it works. It absolutely works. <laughs> More people should do it, you know. If they, if look, if you're going to be a nerd, if you want to be a Star Wars nerd, and you want to do an entrance like that, be Darth Maul for crying out loud. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Scream Kenobi for crying out. <laughs> anyway, let's get to CMLL. His time during 2003 and 2008. Now. It was a bit of a weird time in 2003 when L.A. Park began working for them because although he was wrestling them wrestling in house shows, because of the legal struggles, he was not allowed to actually appear on TV. 
Eventually, though, 2004, he would team up with Shocker on a TV taping to defeat Los Guerreros del Infernio, which is the team of Ultimo Guerrero and Rey Bucanero, to win the CMLL Tag Team Championships. Guerrero and Bucanero would, would gain the titles 56 days later, after which LA Park would then challenge Ultimo Guerrero to the CMLL World Light Heavyweight Championship at, the, at CMLL's 71st anniversary show, a match which LA Park would lose two falls to one. That's a common thing, by the way. If you're not know with Lucha Libre, yeah. most championship matches are like two out of three falls. I yeah. like it. Tapeo would work for CMLL in an on-again, off-again capacity, not being booked for CMLL for long stretches of time. Uh, that, of course, again, a lot has to be uh, a lot of reasoning for that. One of them, of course, being the legal troubles. But during one of those off-again periods, LA Park would win the Mexican National Light Heavyweight Championship for the fourth time when he defeated Bret Hart's favourite wrestler, El Dandy, for the title in an October 2004 CMLL event, making him one of only two wrestlers to hold the title four times. Early 2007 would see La Parker return to CMLL full-time and begin a storyline with the late Pera Aguayo Jr., a storyline that would see the two face off in a singles match and an event in 2007. I think it was uh, the Sin the Sin Dad event, actually, if memory serves me okay. correct, which uh, LA Park would win by disqualification after Los Perros Del Mai would interfere in the match. Sorry, Del Mal. Sorry, my apologies for the pronunciation there. I apologize. I am stuffy. My Spanish is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, what we're learning is we need to do Spanish pronunciation lessons. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Maybe I should... Have... No, I'm thinking of someone in mind. Anyway, that could help me. Anyway, the story would end with kind of no end, actually. Uh, the, there was the no feud. There was no big blow-off match to end the feud in 2008. Instead, the LA Park would just kind of be thrusted into a feud with Dr. Va uh, Dr. Wagner Jr. Now, initially, LA Park was billed as the Technico in this feud, but... Fan reaction began to turn against Park, and the CMLL crowd began siding with Dr. Wagner Jr. This led to a double turn between the, between the two, and playing the Rudo, LA Park was disqualified several times for excessive violence, including a match at the 75th anniversary show that LA Park lost by disqualification. This... Following this match, uh, this show and this match, both, uh, both LA Park and Dr. Wagner Jr. would leave CMLL. Now, this wasn't the... Now, he wasn't only doing stuff for CMLL at this time. As I said, there were brief periods of time where he would just not be on CMLL. He was doing other stuff. He would he would go to travel the US and Japan on in, for independent promotions and excursions during this time. During this, though, he would develop on the independent circuit, he would develop a very long-running and intense feud with El Hijo del Santo and Blue Demon Jr., interjecting himself in storylines that played off of the original rivalry between El Santo and Blue Demon, thus creating a feud that would headline various shows all over Mexico and involves three of the most famous masks in the 1980s and 1990s. Would you believe it? <clears throat> L.A. Park would end up appearing in 2004 for TNA. Yes. He would appear yes, I in the, fully believe that. He would appear at a gauntlet of the, for the gold match for the TNA X Division Championship. And they would I then... I don't know if that's cursed or not. 
He would then again appear on the very first inaugural paper, monthly pay-per-view, Victory Road, in an X-Division gauntlet match. Losing, though, on both occasions, may I add. <laughs> I, I, what I loved about that whole thing, about talking about him with um, El Hijo del Santo, del Santo and Blue Demon Jr., is the idea that he was interjecting himself. Yes! And that he would literally, the two of them were just like trying to have a blood feud with each other. And then this man in a skeleton mask just kept appearing and being like, hey, have you forgotten about me? <laughs> like, let me, let me in, please. I want to wrestle you two. <laughs> just like being a constant thorn in their sides. <laughs> true. Very true. I mean, he would end up having <clears throat> subsequent matches in 2005 and six with, uh, with El Hio del Santo, occasionally having Conan thrown into the mix there. In 2007, he would go on to end up having uh, working regularly for a, a newly started promotion known as Peros del Mal Producciones, which was basically uh, the Peros del Mal's own promotion. Of course, that, I... that again, prime Mexican wrestling moment. And of course, that would start his feud once more with Pedro Aguayo Jr. Originally, this would be the starting point for uh, L.A. Park's son to start wrestling. Uh, he would actually start at Peros de Mal Producciones as originally the Black Spirit, not acknowledging his heritage as L.A. Park's son. But in 2010, to pay L.A. Park would officially acknowledge that Black Spirit was his son and he would now wrestle as El Hijo del L.A. Park. Now, this, of course, awesome. starts, of course, the heritage of L.A. Park and so many versions of L.A. Park. Yes. <laughs> he, would, he would return eventually L.A. Park to Triple A in 2010. This, of course, ended up being that here, like, I believe management changes people kind of yeah. sending out kind of like hey you know feelers and kind of like like letters and messages saying hey do you want to come back you know everything's changed now you know mending bridges and eventually the original parker would turn return to triple a after years of legal battles and threats after unveiling himself during the show la park announced that he was siding with conan targeting the imposter parker in order to maintain the illusion that L.A. Park really didn't work for AAA, Park would claim that he came to AAA to beat up La Parker. And since he had done that, that already, he wasn't sure if he even felt like returning to AAA. Of course. Though he would eventually return to the ring and have another brawl with La Parker Jr. on the April 18th television taping of AAA. And uh, he would challenge eventually. Uh, La Parker Jr. would actually challenge LA Park to a match at Triple Mania under the stipulation, under any stipulation that Parker Jr. wanted. This gets confusing for me as I'm typing this because okay. I need to figure out which Parker's which Parker. Anyway, you, I hopefully I'm, I, I'm getting <laughs> myself confused. Park. A lot of, a lot of Parks. Parks. A lot of Parks. versus La Parker Jr. versus La Parker 2 versus El Hijo del LA Park. <laughs> don't, don't do this to me, Dad. During a, <laughs> a press conference before the event, it was announced that the match between the two would be for the rights of the name La Parker. <laughs> Why can't we have this in other... You know how like in the Screen Actors Guild, two actors can't have... Is it the... I think it's that or it's the yes. British one where two actors can't have the same name. Mm. 
can we organize a thing where the two of them have to have a wrestling match yes. over the rights to the name? Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> so, on the main event of Triple Mania, LA Park would face La Parker Jr. in the main in in the in the show to end Triple Mania. Your wrestle like your WrestleMania, you're going to end it with that. Near the end of the match, LA Park would use a Tombstone pile driver, a move as a matter of fact that is illegal in Lucha Libre. Of course. The new owner, Joaquin Roldan, would enter the ring, and when LA Park attempted to use a steel chair on La Parker Jr., this is when LA Park teased using the chair on Joaquin instead. Dorian would enter the ring to protest, but was pushed down by Park, who they would then hit him with the chair. This caused uh, Dorian to turn on him, hitting him with the chair three times. Out, then, would come Damien666 and Halloween from the Paris Del Mal promotion to chase Dorian away. They would then drag LA Park on top of La Parker Jr. before Rudo referee Hijo del Tiranes would count to three to give LA Park the victory and the name and the legal right to the name La Parker. Of course. Just just of course. Everything about that makes complete sense. I didn't understand a fucking word of what you just said, but go off. Because because you need to end this on a screwy finish. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't be Mexican wrestling without it, surely, right? <laughs> now, here's here's the ending of this match. La Parker Jr. was taken, taken away from the ring on a stretcher, not having moved since LA Park applied the par driver on, on him. But it was a bit later announced that the match results had been thrown out due to interference by Los Perros del Mal. Of course. But Why would I question anything different? But because of that... The stipulation still stood, which meant that Tapea had indeed won the name La Parker once more. But <laughs> a month after that, it was announced by AAA that it would respect the Mexico City Boxing and Wrestling Commission's decision to throw out the match. And as a result, both LA Park and La Parker would keep their names. Ah. <laughs> uh. Park this could... is why I like. In no other world would this happen. <laughs> yes. Like <laughs> this is this is this is this is like peak lucha. Park would state that the Triple Mania match was all about pride and not about names, and that all that mattered to him was that he had proven who the true La Parker is, regardless of the names they go by. And that's not even like the silliest thing that kind of that he got up to during this time. Like, <laughs> I dare say it, but do I talk about the storyline involving him and new Triple A Mega Champion Jeff Jarrett? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yes, here we go. So, during this time, Park sided with the stable Lel Sociedad, which was run by uh, by Joaquin Dorian. He was also sided as well with the AAA mega champion Jeff Jarrett and Dr. Wagner Jr. Now, during a, during a, uh, a pay-per-view known as Varano de Escandalo in 2011... <laughs> Park would face off against Jarrett and Dr. Wagner Jr. in a three-way match for the title. Conan stating that Park's job was to ensure that the title stayed with Jeff Jarrett. 
After Wagner Jr. was eliminated from the match, Jarrett pinned Park to retain his title when someone masked, someone in a mask known as El Zorro interfered and hit him with a guitar. Fucking El Zorro. <laughs> the person was later revealed as La Sociedad member Chessman, whom Conan had sent to interfere in the match in order to have Park go after El Zorro instead of continuing to chase his stablemate's title. On the October 9th event known as Heroes Immortales, Park would take part in the Copa Antonio Peña gauntlet match. After turning on Jeff Jarrett and eliminating him from the match, Park was once again attacked by a mask El Zorro, which led to Electroshock defeating him to win the match. Also, Heroes Immortales would see La Parker turning on AAA and joining La Sociedad, which would lead to him and LA Park forming an unlikely tag team. You see, we've got La Parker Jr. and LA Park now becoming a tag team, guys. This is, this is like the fucking La Parker Lantern Corps. I didn't expect yes. this. <laughs> <laughs> they would de- He would defeat... He would eventually go on to defeat Dr. Wagner Jr. and Electroshock on a December 1st AAA taping. And at December 6th, at Guerra de Titanes, Park would defeat Dr. Wagner Jr. for the AAA Latin American Championship. The the feud between Park and Jeff Jarrett continued into March 2012 at Rey de Reyes, where Jarrett's interference eliminated Park from the Rey de Reyes tournament. During the main event of the evening, Park, in turn, decided to screw Jarrett for the AAA Mega Championship in his match against El Macias. God, I never knew I'd have to talk more about Jeff Jarrett than I ever did here. Hey, hey. He is the center of the wrestling universe. Center of the universe. (laughs) The Alpha and the Omega. In 2012, Park would officially quit La Sociedad to join AAA once more to continue his rivalry with the Jarretts. On the, on the August 5th, Triple Mania 20, Park would team up with Electroshock as Team Joaquin Roldan in a hair versus hair match where they faced off against Team Dorian Roldan, the team of Jeff Jarrett and Kurt Angle. What? <laughs> what? Uh... Yeah, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> With the Roldan's hair on the line, Electroshock would win the match for his team by pinning Angle, forcing Dorian to have his head shaved bald. Afterwards, though, the Rudos would overpower the Technicos and would shave Joaquin's head bald. Of course. Why okay. would I ever question anything different? <laughs> But shortly after that, in 2013, Park would announce that he would left leave AAA, citing his desire to be more of an independent wrestler. Even though, after his exit, he would eventually appear, occasionally promoting matches here and there, and even the possibility of a Lucha de Apuestas match against Dr. Wagner Jr. But those wouldn't come to fruition. Instead, he would end up making a one-off appearance at Triple Mania 21 to present Blue Demon Jr. with the Triple A Latin America Championship belt and officially announce his departure from the promotion. 
Naturally. It would eventually make a small return to CMLL at this time in 2014, uh, being accompanied by his son and eventually having a tag team here and there, having a fight, having like a, a rivalry with Volador Jr. He would eventually a team with Volador Jr. at one point, but not much was really known of this time. What is known that he did have a couple of matches against Roosh, Dr. Wagner Jr. and La Sombra. Of course, La Sombra would end up, of course, being Andrade del Idolo. El, El Idolo. He would eventually return I again. We end up in, we end up with this just this weird collection of people. <laughs> so this is you. My eyes are just wide right now because I'm like I'm trying to like get this straight in my head like, and I fail. About, think about it at this point that like La Parker, as in like now <laughs> L.A. Park. <laughs> <laughs> has like filled the entire continuum between like 90s WCW to Andrade. Yeah. <laughs> That's a wild, wild ride of a, of a career. And so this sees us at the kind of the what we what currently is going on with LA Park at the moment. He would return once more to Triple A, but also wrestle for MLW. Now, in Triple A, he was revealed as one of the surprise competitors in Triple A's Poker Aces match at Triple Mania, betting his mask against Psycho Clown, El Hijo del Fantasma, the future Santos Escobar, and Pentagon Jr. in the headline match of the show. Park would go on to win the battle, winning the mask of El Hijo del Fantasma. On the July on the July 2018 AAA versus Elite pay-per-view, LA Park would team once more with Electroshock and Puma King as a representative of Liga Elite, defeating the team of Team AAA. That's Psycho Clown, El Hijo del Fantasma, and Ray Wagner. Not to be confused with Ray Mysterio, Dr. Wagner, or Dr. Wagner Jr. Of course. Ray Wagner, of course, being another gimmick for Dr. Wagner Jr. Just, you know, if, yeah. just to make it even more confusing for the pair of you. No, no, no. It makes complete sense. Don't worry about it. <laughs> During his time in MLW, he would end up becoming a member of Promotions Dorado, uh, of the of the of the of the stable there, and would enter a feud with Pentagon and Ray Phoenix, defeating the former in a bloody Mexican death match at MLW War Games in 2018. This was the time where, of course, La Parker, LA Parks, a little bit slower than usual, so he would decide to counteract that by just gushing blood everywhere. Such is the way of luchadors. 2017 like, is a very it, it, good it, example so... of a match that he had <laughs> with Bruce. So much. <laughs> he would continue to feud with the two on and off, as well as other people such as Sammy Callahan and Mance Walner, eventually losing to Pentagon and, and Phoenix in a match for the World Tag Team Championships in November. LA Park would then defeat Pentagon in 2019 at Rise of the Renegades and receive a small little push in early 2019, winning the second MLW Battle Riot, which earned him a future title shot at for the uh, MLW World Championship. In September 2019, Selena de la Renta would announce that LA Park would be cashing in his Battle Riot title shot against Jacob Fatu at Saturday Night Superfight. Of course, Jacob Fatu, of course, is now... Yeah. Um, uh, he's now... I was going to say part of the Anawaii family, but I did not... I, I, I know he's want to, I want to say... <laughs> is he still, still MLW champion? I still think he is MLW <laughs> world champion. It's him or Hammerstone. 
One, I don't one know. I haven't, I haven't been keeping up with MLW. One of the two. All I'm saying is he's the missing link of the bloodline. <laughs> yeah, he, he's 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 the one of the Anawaii family that's not in WWE right now. <laughs> in twenty, he would. I think that would be in a losing effort. But on the 2021 episode, LA Park, along with his son El Hijo de LA Park, would win the World Tag Team Championships for Marshall and Ross Von Erich. Oh my God, it's a fa- it's a family feud between the Parks and the Von Erichs. With may I, I just think say about that, just like the concept of the the Parkers, as I'm going to call them, versus members of the Von Erich family in MLW. The thing is confusing to me though, Dan, is that they didn't win this match clean. They won it thanks to help of from interference from filthy Tom Lawler of all people. Yeah, but this is this is you gotta understand though, MLW at oh I was gonna say at this point in time, this is only like a, what, like a year last or year, yeah. Ago. Last year <laughs> MLW's in the middle of its we literally, I, I don't want to say we literally don't know what we're doing. They just kind of have a, a bit of everyone. Yes. Because mm. they just kind of get, like, whoever they can get. <laughs> I've seen some random people turn up in MLW not too oh, long. Oh, gosh, yeah. Absolutely. Speaking of randomness, in March 2022, LA Park, along with family members LA Park Jr. and El Hijo del LA Park, would participate in a MLW event during WrestleMania week in a tag match with Alex Hammerstone and Jacob Fatu. The Parks decided to go into business for themselves, though. Yes. I attacking Hammerstone and Fatu with real punches and chair shots, which then saw I them hearing about this. Which then saw them being fired from MLW. Yes. As a result. And that, gentlemen, is where we stamp this point in the career of the Parker slash LA Park. Confused? I am. Oh, I'm so fucking confused. But you know what? You know what? I can't think of a more appropriate wrestler to be confused by. <laughs> I that's honestly tracks so much. Chair was guitars, it, it? shuffles, uh, copyright issues. Deciding to randomly shoot on top people in the company you're working for. You know. Is Parker the most lucha wrestler we've ever covered on this show? At least covered on the show. Like, I'd say, like, yeah. He definitely, he definitely, going through this, I, I don't think I ever quite realised how lucha, like literally I feel like La Parker can be summed up in the words lucha moment. Yes. Mm. Yes. But, um yeah i think probably out of the ones out of the ones we've covered because like it just like it hits like basically just playing all the classics really (laughs) being involved in a breakaway promotion deciding to randomly shoot on people deciding that you're old now and now all you need to do to sell tickets is just bleed a lot (laughs) that's the way to do it although as as i said Bloody good match in 2017 against Roosh, if you can find it. Yeah, it, it, it it's weirdly good for a match that involves Roosh and La Parker. <laughs> so that is where we're going to end this little retrospective, fellas. As I said, how confused do you feel now about La Parker? Because he's had... Oh, very. Thing is, though, I, will, I, I, I still love La Parker slash LA Park, and if I ever see a t-shirt that's on sale that has his design, I will oh, buy yeah. it in an instant. Yeah, I'll I'll 
I'll still buy the shirt because, mm. like, what, what do you think I am? An idiot? <laughs> a cool design is a cool design, regardless of how goofy the guy is. <laughs> that is for damn true. Now, I'm going to calm down now, breathe, relax, decompress from the, from, I guess, from just the dipping of a toe into the politics of Lucha Libre. <laughs> And uh, what that entails. Reardon, are you okay? I feel I have to ask before we end. I'm... I'll manage like everything else. <laughs> I'll manage. <laughs> Alrighty, that is going to wrap it up for this episode. On our next episode, which is going to come out a couple of days after this one, funnily enough, we are going to be doing quite a chunky episode as we're going to be looking and taking the spotlight on one company. The company, as a matter of fact, one of the longest running wrestling companies, not only in Mexico, but indeed the world. Yes, we're going to be talking and doing a retrospective on Consejo Mundial de Lucha Libre, CMLL. It's going to be a lot of titles that I'm going to have to talk about and try and learn and not get like mixed up on my words mixed up on. There's going to be short little history. I'm going to talk. We fine. I'll gonna... make sure I have the uh, the Wikipedia entry up. <laughs> Not going to go too in-depth. As I said, we're going to do a short little brief history, talk about the championships, little bits here and there. And, yeah, that's that's going to be our episode coming up. That, But that's all for next time. Until then, I have been Sam. This has been Dan and Reardon, and you've been listening to the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. We will see you, as always, on the next one. Bye, everybody. Bye. Chair, skeleton, chair, skeleton, chair, skeleton, chair, skeleton, chair, skeleton. <laughs> <laughs>